You're listening to the SSPX Podcast, and welcome to Episode 7 in our Sacrament Series, where Father Paul Robinson will join us to discuss the Holy Eucharist. In this first of three episodes on the Blessed Sacrament, Father will explain to us the relationship between the sacrifice of the Mass and the Holy Eucharist. Are they the same thing or different? Then we'll see how the Eucharist is distinct from all the other sacraments, yet still, they are all intimately related to it. Next, we'll look at the importance of the Mass, and finally, we'll see how the faithful are meant to participate in the Mass. The priest is performing the actions of the Mass, yes, but there is an aspect of the priesthood that is shared with the faithful. So, how are we supposed to participate in the Mass? As we move forward in this series, we're looking for help. If you like these series and want to have more of them, you can help us by leaving a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you can just simply share it with someone who you think would like it, appreciate it, or maybe they just need it. That's the best way to help, because you're helping us with this apostolate to reach as many people as possible with the beauty and the truth of what it means to be a traditional Catholic. Now, let's join Father Robinson for episode number seven of the Sacrament Series, right now. Father Robinson, thank you for joining us again on this series on the sacraments. We had you on for the first two episodes, introducing the sacraments themselves. And so now you're back for some more punishment. I'm uh, sorry, for some more insight <laughs> on on the Holy Eucharist. Uh, now, Father, we're going to be taking three episodes to go through the Holy Eucharist uh, instead of just two like we've done with the previous episodes. Um, what are we yes. going to be looking at over these three episodes? And can you give us kind of a preview of what we're looking at today, Father? Yes. Yeah, well, I was, I was thinking that, you know, the, the Holy Eucharist is the summit of the sacraments, and it really deserves uh, extra attention for that fact. And so I think just because the Mass is so profound, there's so much there, I thought it would be good instead of just looking at the traditional Mass and then looking at the new Mass, that we would just first have an introductory conference talking about what the Mass is in itself in general, and and then um, look at the traditional Mass and the, and the prayers that are found in the traditional Mass, and then uh, for the third conference, look at the new Mass. So the first, the, what we do today would, would be on the Mass in general, then the second conference would be on the traditional Mass, and the third one on the new Mass. Okay. Now, when we, um, it's always good to get our terms straight. When we're talking about the sacrament of Holy Eucharist, are we also talking about the Mass? Are those two, th- are those two terms one and the same? Yes, they they are pretty much one and the same. I mean, we have the sacrament series, and we're considering the seven sacraments, and one of the sacraments is the Holy Eucharist. Um, so, in when traditional Catholics speak about the Eucharist, uh, typically we think of the reception of Holy Communion, or we think of adoring our Lord at benediction. Um, we think of our Lord present under the sacramental species, but um, the Eucharist is somewhat interchangeable with the Mass itself. Uh, the Mass is a sacrament. Um, it is a ceremony uh, wherein we have something that is signified. We, 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 ver- we uh, fulfill the three conditions for the sacrament. We have an outward sign. It was instituted by Christ and it gives grace. Um, but because the, the, the Mass is so unique, uh, we tend to separate the Holy Eucharist as such from the ceremony 
um, because our, this this sacrament, one of the things that makes it unique is that it endures over a period of time. It's the only sacrament where it doesn't just happen at the moment, and we'll we'll, we'll talk more about that later on. But but I think that's the reason for this uh, difference of terminology. All right, and the mass is you know the integral part of the mass is the fact that it is a sacrifice as well, right? Yes. So so as we were saying in the introductory conference, the each of the sacraments are outward signs that signify a supernatural reality. So um, as Father Wiseman exclaimed, the, the, the baptism signifies the, the washing of, of the baby. And with this sacrament, the sacrament of the Eucharist, what we are signifying is a sacrifice. So there's an outward sign of a sacrifice, and the signification causes the supernatural reality to be present. Um, this is the way God, our Lord, designed things, such that when the sign is present, you you have the supernatural reality affected. So, um, the main thing that the Mass has to accomplish is to signify the sacrifice. And that is signified by the three parts of the Mass of the Faithful, the second part of the Mass, and that would be the offertory, the the consecration, and the communion. So if we think about sacrifices um, all throughout the history of, of mankind, there were typically three stages or three parts of those sacrifices. So even if, even in the pagan world, but, but also in the Jewish world, um, in the religion that God instituted for the Jewish people, he would ask for certain sacrifices, um, the slaying of animals. And what would happen is you would have someone chosen from among the people to represent the people before God, that is the priest, and he would take um, the offering, which would be uh, like a lamb without blemish. It, it, it was meant to be something um, not not sacred, but but something uh, that was was clean, was pure, was was analogically worthy of God. You you want to present the best to God. So they would take an um, like an unblemished lamb or a, a calf or, or something like that. And the first thing that was done is is the the animals offered to God, and then. Um, secondly, you would have the slaying of the animal. The, the animal is killed so that it will um, be, yes, given to God, as it were. Um, and then finally, in a holocaust, in a specific type of sacrifice called the holocaust, the animal was consumed. Um, that's, that is, it was burned. And in other types of sacrifices, the animal was consumed by the priest. The priest would, would eat the animal. Um, so what what is going on here is the the community of people is taking something that is good um, that they have they want to offer it to God and so they they slay it and they consume it um, so that they they give to God as it were this this particular offering and um, the, the whole point of sacrifice is simply to acknowledge that we are creatures that there is someone above us who is our creator, and to pay homage to him, um, to acknowledge our status as, as creatures, to show our submission to him. Um, so if you, if you take something that um, kind of gives you power, if, you, if, you're, if like you can think of your flocks as, as your um, revenue or, or, or the thing that, that gives you power in the community, you, you take something from that, something, something precious, you give it to God, and, and you say, you know, my power is below your power. Um, um, and you, you also 
signify that everything belongs to him, that really this is, this is not mine after all. It really is yours. So that's, as I say, um, e- even, in, even in pagan nations, they had this sense that um, they owed everything to a higher power and that they needed to show homage to the higher power by making these sacrifices. And, well, we, we know that the New Testament with our Lord coming on this earth, with, with God becoming incarnate, we have the most perfect sacrifice. And that is through the sacrifice on Calvary, wherein our Lord is the priest. He's the one offering. Um, and he offers himself. And he is the most perfect offering because, because he is God. He can't be anything more perfect that is offered to God. He's also man. So he's the most perfect man. Um, that's, that's offered to God. And he is, he is slain um, on the cross. So when we come to the Mass itself, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a sacrament. So we, we want to signify the sacrifice of Calvary, what, what happened on Calvary. And we do that through those three parts of the Mass. First of all, there's the offertory. And at the offertory, the, the priest takes the bread and the wine, and he offers them to God. And then at the consecration, there is a, we may say, sacramental immolation of our Lord, um, which we'll, we'll get into in a second. And then, of course, at the communion, our, our Lord is consumed. And, and therefore, you have this signification of the sacrifice. Okay, so there's that that connection between the Old Testament and and the New Testament, uh, strikingly between between the sacrifices of, of old and the uh, and the sacrifice of the Mass. Um, yes, you, you yes. talked about Be- this because uh, yeah, in the, in the Old Testament, um, God did not want there to be human sacrifice. You know, the the pagans would do human sacrifices. The most precious thing they had was human life, mm-hmm. um, but. But God, God forbade the Israelites to do that, and so He He commanded them to to offer animals um, instead of that. And of course, um, it's an imperfect sacrifice. It's 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 something that's very limited that they're offering to God, and they were awaiting uh, the New Testament. We would have this this most perfect sacrifice possible. Okay, uh, you said you wanted to talk a little bit more about this this immolation or this sacramental separation of the body and blood of our Lord. Uh, what does that signify? And at what point does that take place in the Mass, Father? Yes. So so if you if you have those three parts, we have the offering of the victim, you have the slaying of the victim, and then you have the communion of the victim. Well, where, where does the slaying of the victim take place? During the Mass. Well, it takes place at the consecration. It's not that our Lord dies. Our Lord does not die. He he now dies no more. He's died once. Right. And he dies no more. Uh, he has a glorified body. He cannot die. He cannot suffer pain. So he's he's not suffering during the mass. But we have to signify his death in order to have the sacrament. That's the outward sign. So we have to signify his death. And this is done by the double consecration, by the fact that you have two species on the altar of the sacrament, um, one representing his body and the other representing his blood. So with the double consecration, you first have the consecration of the host, um, which represents his body, and then you have the consecration of the wine, which represents his blood. And so the fact that his body and blood are, are separate on the altar signifies his slaying, his immolation. 
Um, and that's why you to have a valid mass, you have to have the double consecration. You have to have the consecration of both the species by the priest to have a valid mass. If he only consecrated the host or he only consecrated the wine, it would not be a valid mass. Hmm. Um, now, of course, our Lord is fully present under both species. He's right. fully present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, under the species of bread and under the species of wine. But the sign um, represents the, the the separation of his body and blood. So it's um, it's a symbol, but it, it, as the, in the sacraments, it's the symbol that makes for the sacramental reality and makes the graces to be present. In this case, um, for our Lord to be present under the, the species of bread and wine uh, at the Mass and for a true sacrifice to take place, um, the true re, re-offering of the sacrifice of Calvary. Okay. Um, could we talk next, Father, about the, the importance of the Eucharist? Um, obviously, it is important, and, and I don't want to get into trying to rank the sacraments. Obviously, baptism is necessary for all of the other sacraments, uh, but there is yes. a special importance for the Holy Eucharist. Could you explain a little bit why, Father? Yes. So, um, we we generally say that baptism is the most necessary of the sacraments, but the Eucharist is the most important of the sacraments, the highest of the sacraments, because of the fact that it contains our Lord. But... We all, all throughout history, um, sacrifice has always been the central aspect of any religion. Um, as, as I mentioned, even the pagan religions uh, um, of of the past, they had sacrifice at the very core. These offerings they would make to the gods at the very core of their religion. And when God guided the Jews in their the homage they paid to Him, He had them make again the sacrifices. Uh, place them at the core of their religion, where the Levitical priests, or they had a, you had a specific priesthood, you had these men that were chosen from among the people, special tribe that was dedicated to God, and they had the, all these religious rituals that they were to perform, and they ended up, you know, building the temple and and having these these sacrifices. You can read especially the dedication of the temple in the time of Solomon, uh, how many thousands of, of animals were, were offered to God on, on that day. So, the, the, the greatest homage we can give to God as human beings is in this act of sacrifice. So, sacrifice is so important to religion that, that Pope Leo XIII, he says in one of his encyclicals, the very essence of religion implies sacrifice. If sacrifices are abolished, religion can neither exist nor be conceived. Mm. And uh, I mean, you know, this, this says something about the Protestant religions where they, they, they say, well, our Lord died on the cross and that was, that was once and for all. And they think that the Mass is an abomination. You know, the, uh, Luther thought the, the Mass was an, an abomination. But the fact is that, that if a, a religion does not have, sac- have sacrifice, it's kind of not doing religion. You're kind of not doing religion. Um, but we, we are... The sacrifice of, of the cross, the sacrifice of the Mass for us Catholics is the very heart of our religious practice. And the reason for this is because sacrifice is the greatest thing that you can do in relation to God. And the sacrifice we have, the Mass, is the most perfect sacrifice possible. You have the most perfect priest, the most perfect uh, person to offer the sacrifice, that's our Lord. You have the most perfect victim to be offered to God, that's also our Lord. So, um, because 
the Mass makes our Lord truly present. He's there on the altar, and we renew this offering of Calvary. We have the same effects um, as Calvary brought to us, brought to the human race. So this is why the Holy Eucharist is the summit of our Catholic life. It's the very core of our Catholic life. And while um, people of other religions, like the Protestants, when they when they get together, they they might um, do songs and preach sermons and, and things like that. Um, and you know, when when the Buddhists get together, they they might wear orange robes and and do some some um, deep throated uh, moaning or something, <laughs> um, and do yoga. Um, what we we as Catholics we do the mass. The, for us, the the main thing is the mass. And there's a, there's a beautiful quote. I was actually just trying to look it up. Um, I don't remember who, who said it, and I'm going to butcher it, but it was one of the saints who said it'd be easier for the world to exist without the sun than it would be to exist without the mass. I mean, that's, that's how yes. important it is. Um, I'll yes. have to put it on the screen because I forgot who said it. But um, Yes, yes. I think it might be Padre Pio who, who said that. But, but uh, I mean, I, I think... Um, that's obviously after the coming of our Lord, it is it is the mass that that sustains the world, um, right. and that's that's why it's so important for us. Uh, I mean, there was right after I got ordained a priest. You know, I was stationed in St. Mary's for three years, and the one time I was asked to do the South Dakota mission, um, and I was I was just sitting in the airport, and there was this there was this man there, and. He was he was just like shocked. He's like, man, dude, it's like, are you like a priest or something? And I was like, yes, yes, I am. He's like, dude, that is amazing. It's like, what, what do you do? I was like, well, I mean, I, I offer infinite sacrifice to God for the sins of mankind. And he's uh-huh. like, man, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a whoa moment. Right, there is something <laughs> awesome about it in the true sense of the word. It is, yes, yes, <laughs> uh, yes. That's great. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it. May God give us the grace to appreciate what we have. Yes, for sure, absolutely. Well, many saints have recognized uh, the importance of the mass. Uh, obviously, the founder of the Society of Saint Pius the Tenth, Archbishop Lefebvre, he recognized it as well. Um, in fact, you could say that was the whole reason why. Excuse me. It was the whole reason why he he started the Society of Pius the Tenth was to form priests, but priests who could say the Mass. Is that kind of a fair assessment? Yeah. So the the Archbishop had a tremendous devotion to the Mass. I think he understood the importance of the Mass uh, more deeply than than many figures in the history of the Church, <clears throat> and. Um, as a result, I mean, he, he founded an order of priests, he founded an order of nuns, he founded an order of brothers, and in all of them, their whole spirituality is centered around the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So, the sisters, they assist the priests. Why do they assist the priests? Because they want to be close to our Lord. They want to assist our Lord in this eternal sacrifice. It's the same with the brothers. Um, they're all at the service of the priesthood, which is at the service of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, the, the Archbishop, I just want to quote him, sort of summarizing his perspective on the Mass and its importance. He says, During the holy sacrifice of the Mass, revelation, the mysteries of faith, the mysteries of the incarnation and the redemption are made real. And from the Mass, the efficacy of all good works proceeds. 
and he's, he says something in our statutes that's interesting. He says, I don't want you to have a special devotion. I want you to have the devotion of the church. So, so for him, the spirituality of the church is the Mass, because the Mass is our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so that, that is the very heart of our religion, as, as I just said. And so he wanted us to focus on that, that, that basically essential spirituality that belongs to us as being Catholics. So th- that's, that was his vision, and um, that, that's what he tried to pass on to us, and, and that's why he created this extended religious family, all of us centered around the Mass. Um, so are there any further perspectives of the Archbishop that you can share with us, Father? Yes, well, um, one, one thing that he wanted to make sure that, that we have when we approach the Mass is um, a holistic perspective on the Mass. He uh, wanted us to see the Mass as the sacrament sacrifice, primarily. Um, and he kind of lamented people reducing the Mass, as it were, just seeing it as kind of a means to receive our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Of course, the reception of Holy Communion is, is very important. It's, it's a very precious gift that we have. Um, but but it is, the, the Mass by its nature is a sacrifice, and we, we must not forget that when we go to Mass. Some, sometimes people, when they, when they go to Mass, I mean, they're present there, and they, they believe that our Lord is there, but they kind of don't believe that He's there in, in the sense that they just see him as kind of inert um, under the the species of bread and wine, um, but but our Lord is really present, and He really is doing the exact same thing that He did on Calvary. So um, we we can think of Him in heaven, sort of presenting His wounds to the heavenly Father, and then at the moment of the Mass, He comes down on earth. He's on the altar, and He is the primary priest. So He's on the altar, and He is offering Himself to the Heavenly Father for the sins of mankind, just as he did on Calvary. And, and, and that, is, that is the very center of the Mass. It's the mystery of our redemption being renewed on our altars. Um, so, you know, the, the, the ceremonies leading up to that are, are not just a, sort of a means to get to Holy Communion, um, but that that's central part of the Mass wherein the sacrifice is, is being offered is the heart of the Mass, and the faithful are meant to unite with that, and the, and the priest, who is the instrument of our Lord to bring him down on the altar, he, he is supposed to unite with that as well, as far as possible. So, um, I just want to give you a, a long clo- quote, if you don't mind, from the Archbishop. It's not too long, but but um, just speaking about this, that, that the central part of the Mass is the offering of the sacrifice. Um. Our Lord Jesus Christ's goal was to offer himself on the cross. He came for no other reason, and Mass is the continuation of the cross. Our Lord's goal is then to continue his cross by the holy sacrifice of the Mass until the end of time. It seems that many souls have forgotten this. They have been looking for the source of grace in little devotions, in the recitation of certain personal prayers, in private devotions to this or that saint. It is good to have devotions. But let us have the essential devotion, the chief and fundamental devotion of the Church and of all the saints, the one brought to us by our Lord. Nothing can replace the sacrifice of the cross. No devotion, not even to the Blessed Virgin, can replace the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Indeed, the Blessed Virgin encourages us to come to the cross. 
she was always present there. So for, for the Archbishop, the, the mentality of our Lord was, I become incarnate in order to offer this supreme sacrifice to the Heavenly Father for the sins of mankind and to draw graces down upon this earth. And the Archbishop was saying, when you go to Mass, you have to make that your central focus. You have to make your mindset the same as that of our Lord, um, this will to offer sacrifice to the Heavenly Father um, and not sort of get lost in, in private devotions, um, but but make sure that you're you're focused on that. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I think sometimes, especially on a Sunday low mass, for instance, uh, the, the two main points of the mass or the two main focus points of the mass for, for many people is the sermon and going to receive Holy Communion. And it's a bit of a shame. I mean, those two parts are, are great and necessary and, and all that. But those are the two. Usually those two parts take up the longest time out of all of the parts yeah. of the mass. <laughs> And that is, yes. that seems to be the main focus. And our focus really should be on the mass itself, not just the wonderful sermon that Father Robinson gives and not just going to receive Holy Communion. <laughs> right. You know, and, and what, what you say is, is very true. It's, it's hard for us to, to have that focus because that central part of the mass goes so quickly. I mean, you mentioned that the sermon takes a lot longer, especially Father Robinson's sermons, um, and then and then the communion. If you if you have a big uh, set, a bunch of faithful there on right. the Sunday, communion takes a really long time. So, but what we have to understand is is that the the whole beginning of the mass is preparing us for that moment when when we're offering the sacrifice in union with the priest and union with our Lord Jesus Christ, our eternal High Priest, um, and offering infinite homage to God. So, I mean, we'll, we'll speak about that in a bit when we talk about Pius XII's perspective on the attendance at Mass that will confirm that. Um, but but that, that really is the heart of what we do, not just at the Mass, but what we do as Catholics. That That is the, the, the greatest thing we can do in our lives is to unite with the priests in the offering of this homage to God. And, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what, what the Mass is able to accomplish. Um, I, I mean, we, we have that belief that since the sacrifice is the greatest act in the history of the world, the, the sacrifice of Calvary. So if we are able to renew it on this earth, then we are able to perform the most important thing for, for mankind. Um, and I, I just, when, when we, I wanted to mention the documentary of Archbishop Lefebvre, that, that I think part of Archbishop Lefebvre's devotion to the Mass was the fact that he saw in the, the concrete circumstances in his missionary life, what a huge impact the, the Mass had on the African peoples that he was preaching to. I mean, you, you think about it, I mean, in, in human terms, if you think about it in terms of a rationalist of today, and we think about some Frenchman going to the African bush, speaking to these animists, and uh, having this strange and mysterious ceremony that he repeats every day in their midst and he explains to them the, the rationalists would say well that's not going to do anything um, but in fact it did incredible things and he there's a very moving part 
of the documentary on Archbishop Lefebvre where he gives a sermon for his his priestly anniversary in 1979. And he, he talks about how it was through the Mass that these people were transformed. Um, mm. They no longer had the, these these fears, these irrational fears. Um, their, their lives were harmonized. They, 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 were, they were much more ordered. There's a lot more peace in, in their villages. And for him, it was it was because of the mass. And I don't, I don't know if you're able to sort of cut in and show that part of the documentary sure. for the viewers, but but that would that, I think that would be great. Yeah, absolutely, we'll do that. Well, it's, um, those are beautiful testimonials from the Archbishop. Again, he had that great devotion. Um, could we pivot a little bit now, Father, to talk about the Eucharist compared to some of the other sacraments? There's going to be some pretty pretty big differences between the sacrament of holy eucharist versus the sacrament of or versus the other sacraments yes yes so be, because of the fact that the holy eucharist does not contain an effect of christ it doesn't it's not like a grace flowing from Christ, or um, we may say a grace flowing from the cross, but it is the cross itself. It, it is our Lord himself. This sacrament is different from the other sacraments. It's different in the way that it's constructed. So when the priest um, performs the act of consecration, the, the words that he uses to consecrate the Eucharist are different from the, the words that he used for the, the other sacraments. In the other sacraments, the form of the sacrament signifies some sort of action that is being done. I baptize you, I absolve you, I confirm you. And and that that action indicates that some activity is being performed on the, the, the recipient through the passion of Christ. And it's it just happens at that one moment. You, you're, you're confirmed at that one moment when the, when the bishop is anointing you, um, or you're absolved at that one moment when, when the priest is, is making the sign of cross over you and say, pronouncing the words of the form. So those sacraments are sacraments of one moment. But this, sac- this sacrament makes our Lord himself present over an extended period of time. And that for that reason, when the priest pronounces the words of consecration, the form does not signify an action. It rather signifies a state, um, a state of being. So that's why he says, this is my body. Um, he doesn't say, may this become the body of Christ, mm-hmm. um, or may, may this bread be sanctified, what have you. He says, this is my body. And it's in the Eucharist that the priest is identified with Christ more than in any of the other sacraments because of the fact that in the other sacraments, he's signifying an action of Christ. He he acts in the person of Christ in in the sense that he signifies something Christ does, but in the Mass, he is Christ. Mm -hmm. And and his words signify that he's taking the, the place of Christ as his person, not as what Christ does. So that's why he says, this is, this is my body. He, he uh, acts in persona Christi at the Mass in, in a very literal sense. So this is um, very beautiful for the priests, um, t- reflecting upon that. But it, it also uh, means that the, the, the Eucharist is a sacrament that lasts over a period of time. Once our Lord is there, once this bread is sanctified, our Lord remains present. And so the, the sacrament remains, the sacrament continues over a long period of time. As long as the appearances or the species of the bread or the wine remain, our Lord remains. 
Um, so th this is what makes the, the Eucharist the, the greatest of the sacraments, the fact that it contains Christ absolutely and not, not relatively to one of his effects. Um, it's, it's not so much causing a grace as it's causing the presence of the very source of grace um, in the Eucharist. Um, so this, the, the difference between the Eucharist and the other sacraments is represented in the very sacramental words and, and the way the sacrament is treated. Wow. And um, if I could be so bold as to add something, but it, it came from you, so I, I don't feel so bad saying it. Um, you said in the very, very beginning episodes of this series, all the other sacraments uh, are related to the sacrifice, to the to the passion of our Lord. The Mass is the yes. passion of our Lord. So, again, it is the summit of of the sacraments in that sense. Is that right? Yes, and you you often see how the sacraments, the other sacraments, are directed towards our Lord um, and in in the sacrifice of the Mass by the fact that the other sacraments are often received in the context of the Mass. So when you get married, you, you have the sacrament of matrimony, then you have the Mass. Um, the, when a priest is ordained, he's married, he's, he's, he's ordained in the, in the context of the Mass. Um, when you have a confirmation, uh, often you have a confirmation ceremony, then you have a Mass following. Um, when when, when a, an adult is baptized, like the Paschal Vigil, he's, he's baptized, and, and then you have the Mass. Mm -hmm. So uh, these this also indicates that these sacraments sort of surround the mass, which is a central sacrament. Um, could we turn to the faithful, Father? Obviously, the faithful do play a part, a part, not the part in the mass. Um, could we talk about the participation of the faithful and, and how that corresponds to what we're talking about today? Yes, absolutely. You know, I thought it would be uh, nice to just speak about that since we've been talking about how important the Mass is um, how and how from the mind of the Archbishop and the mind of the Church, the, the main thing that takes place is that, that um, infinite homage being given to the Heavenly Father. What is it that uh, the faithful can do in order to assist at Mass in the best way possible? And there's a beautiful encyclical by Pope Pius XII, uh, Mediator Dei. I, I think it, it, it appeared in 1947, I can't remember. But he has a section on the participation of the faithful in the sacrifice of the Mass. So he, he points out that the, the chief duty and the supreme dignity of the faithful comes from their participation at the Mass. It's the main thing that they do. And he sums up what they are meant to accomplish at the Mass, what we as traditional Catholics would call active participation, as opposed to the new active participation like dancing in the nave and things like that. Um, so what would we, we would actually call active participation at the Mass, um, he sums up in the words of St. Paul, uh, let that mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So what the faithful are meant to do is they're supposed to have the same mindset, the same dispositions as our Lord had when he ascended the cross on Calvary. So he says, our Lord had two roles on Calvary. First of all, he was a priest. So he was an intermediary between man and God. He was um, offering a sacrifice to the Heavenly Father on behalf of all mankind. Secondly, he was a victim. Um, he was offering himself as the one who would be slain for the sins of mankind. And 
while the, the, the faithful are, are not priests um, and they're, they're not sacrificial victims, um, yet they must try to put on the mentality, the thinking of a priest and the thinking of a victim. Um, they, he says they can put on the mentality of the priest by, um, in a humble attitude of mind, paying adoration, honor, and praise, and thanksgiving to the supreme majesty of God. So a, a priest is meant to offer these acts to God, adoration, honor, praise, and thanksgiving, um, and they, they should want to do that. That that would be them taking on the dispositions of a priest. And then the dispositions of a victim, he says, uh, the dispositions of denial of self, performance of penance, detestation and satisfaction for sins. Um, so they unite themselves with the death of our Lord by offering at the at the mass whatever penances mortifications sorrows difficulties they may have in their life offer them in a good spirit um, with our lord's sacrifice his offering of himself okay and then beyond the faithful there's the there's you father there's the priest who is performing these these roles in in another sense right yeah, so it doesn't mean that the faithful are priests. Um, the priest is the one who has the character of holy orders. He alone has the power to consecrate the bread and the wine to make them the body of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. He alone is the one performing the visible rite. Mm-hmm. But the faithful, by the fact that they have the character of baptism, the, the, the character of baptism gives them the power to unite themselves with the priests. So if someone goes to Mass and they don't have the character of baptism, they're not a member of the mystical body of Christ, and they, they can't unite themselves with the sacrifice. I, I'm not saying it's not good for them to be there. Of course it's good for them to be there. Right. Um, they, they are able to perform their private prayers and so on. But they are not a member of the mystical body, and so they don't have the power to unite with the sacrifice. Whereas those who are baptized, the baptized faithful, they do have that power, and they are meant to perform these um, acts where they u- unite themselves with the priest by their intention, where they have that mentality of priest and victim as far as possible, uniting themselves with the dispositions of our Lord. So how do they do that? Um, how how do they unite themselves with the sacrifice? Pope Pius XII, he speaks of things that they can do externally and things that they can do internally. And of course, for us, the the internal things are more important. Um, there's, you know, th- this idea that somehow you have to be dancing in the nave in order to really get into the mass is is false. <laughs> the main right. thing that's accomplished at the mass are spiritual acts. So, the externally, they can say the responses. Um, so, you know, in a lot of our chapels, we might we might have a like a dialogue mass where the responses are given by the faithful. Uh, we we do that often for the school masses at our, at our schools. And it's, it's very nice. We do that at our school here. Um, and the, the, the school children, uh, they, they know the, the responses of the servers. Uh, both the boys and the girls, are, they're in their pews, and they're making those responses. Um, like Dominus Viscum, Ecum Spiritu Tuo, and, and so on. It comes, comes from the pews. Uh, there, there's the, the faithful are also able to like give a stipend to the priest to offer the mass for their particular intention. 
But as I say, the, the main thing that um, the faithful must strive to do is have these internal dispositions uh, where they want to offer sacrifice by the hands of the priest, um, who is the one who's presenting himself and offering himself on their behalf. And that's that's really by, through the hands of the, of the human priest, merely human priest that is there, but also through Christ. And also that they be conscious of the fact that they are members of the mystical body, that they they really do have the power to <clears throat> unite with the sacrifice and to have that intention to do so. That's I think that's that's the main thing that they must try to accomplish. Right. Um, throughout the mass, there are these spots or these these appropriate places where the faithful can have a specific intention and can really unite obviously the, the faithful can can unite with their intentions through the whole mass but there are these specific spots i'm thinking for instance of the of the offertory is that one yeah, yeah. so i mean there's there's various moments of the mass of the traditional mass of course um where the mass is indicating to the faithful it's like look you are meant to unite yourself with the sacrifice. This is not just the sacrifice of Christ. This is not just the sacrifice of Father Robinson. This is also your sacrifice. Mm. And you are you are meant to unite with it. You you are you don't have the power to perform the sacrifice, but you do have the power to unite with the sacrifice. So I mean um, every time the priest turns around and says Dominus Vobiscum is kind of like a wake-up call for the faithful. It's like, yo, you know, um, <laughs> make sure you're 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 with me here with with the mass. Um, but there are specific prayers of the Mass and specific actions of the Mass that indicate the union of the faithful. So at the offertory, when the priest goes to the, the side of the altar um, with the chalice and he pours in wine, but he also blesses the water and he pours in one drop of water. And that drop of water represents the faithful. So first he blesses the faithful. And then he puts them in to the chalice, and he he mingles them with with the wine, and that's meant to indicate their union with Christ in this sacrifice. And later on, in the offertory, uh, the priest turns around and he says the Arate Fratres. He says, "Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Father Almighty." And of course. The, the the faithful then say that prayer, the sushipiyat, um, the asking God to receive the sacrifice. Then, uh, before the consecration, there's two prayers before the consecration that indicate the union of the faithful with the sacrifice, and there's one prayer after the consecration. So, before the consecration, there's the memento of the living, and the priest um, remembers certain people he particularly wants to pray for, at the Mass, and then he says, For whom we offer, or who offer up to thee, we thy servants, as also thy whole people, make this this offering. So so he's he's referring, he uses the, the plural we, um, and he's he's assuming that the faithful and the pews are offering the sacrifice with him. Hmm. Then at the Hankeji Tor, you know, the, the priest puts his hand over the the offering, and that's this is the time when the servers are always nervous. Like, when is he going to do that? When do I need to ring the bell? And they're like they're like looking over to see if they can <laughs> see see when the right moment is. Um, so, with, what the priest prays when he places his hands over the offering, he says, "Wherefore we beseech thee, O Lord, graciously receive this oblation which we thy servants and with us thy whole family." 
offer up to thee. So he's saying that I'm, I'm offering this and also our whole family, the whole mystical body is offering to thee. So those are the two prayers before the consecration. And there's one prayer immediately after the consecration of the wine, the Undeat Memores. Um, and that prayer goes like this. We thy servants, as also thy whole people, do offer unto thy most excellent majesty of thine own gifts bestowed upon us, a pure victim, a holy victim, a spotless victim. So, I, I mean, it's um, it's not wrong at all. It's, it's, it's very good for the faithful themselves to, to pray these prayers and to have this disposition. I want to offer our Lord to the Heavenly Father with the priests, and I also want to offer myself. Um, I, I want to offer whatever sacrifices and mortifications I, I have, and I, I want to unite with that mindset of our Lord wherein he wants to give homage to the Heavenly Father as much homage as possible. And for them to be conscious, as, as I said, that this is the greatest thing, not just they can do as Catholics, but the greatest thing they can do as human beings on this earth, really. Um, there's, there's nothing more important that takes place on this earth than that. That's absolutely true. Um, uh, Father, I, I wanted to ask you one, one question a, a little bit off, off script, uh, but it came to me while we were talking about the the importance of, of the role of the priest. Um, what goes through your mind, if you don't mind me asking, um, when you are approaching the moment of, of consecration? Um, what, what is it that you're, that you're thinking? I mean, obviously for, for someone who's never able to say the mass, I will not be able to. Um, I've always been curious. What is it that, what are you thinking about when, when you do that? Yes. I mean, it's, I, the, the priest is, is definitely very conscious of his own littleness. Um, and the Mass, as we'll see in the next uh, podcast, the Mass reminds him that of, of that all the time. Yeah. Um, but as as far as possible, you know, I, I try to to remember, uh, to, to really focus on, on what, what this is that I'm doing um, and, and to, to think that I am representing Christ. I'm I'm taking the place of Christ and bringing Christ upon the altar and, and to, to think of, of that moment um, that after the words are pronounced that our Lord is, is in my hands. You know, you think about um, the fourth joyful mystery where um, Our Lady and St. Joseph, they come into the temple and Simeon is, is overjoyed at seeing the Messiah. And he asks Our Lady to hold our Lord, you know, to bring mm-hmm. him into her hands. And that's, that's the privilege of the priest. He's 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 given to hold our Lord at that moment, um, and to to offer him to God. So I think you know it's it's it, the same that Pius X is saying for the faithful. It applies to the priest all the more that he's meant to have that mentality of of uniting with the dispositions of our Lord, who is right there, who is really there, and who's offering himself um, to have that that same mentality. Oh. That's beautiful. Thank you, Father. Um, so that's going through the Mass, uh, broadly, kind of our introduction. Next week, we will look at the traditional traditional Mass in as much as we can in one episode. Yes, yes. All right. And then hopefully have some some uh, clips from, from a traditional Mass to yeah. just go through the prayers and, and see how the traditional Mass uh, represents and signifies this, this supreme sacrifice. Very good. Well, Father, thank you so much for your time. We're looking forward to seeing you next week then. All right. That's great, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.